0: Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, the show that's all about giving you the skills and insights you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sonia Thompson, a marketer and a person with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. Who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of times when people are thinking about building an inclusive brand, they tend to focus on a few dimensions of diversity, such as race, gender, or sexual orientation. But there are so many dimensions of diversity or ways in which the people we serve are different. And as we think about building an inclusive brand, it's important to consider a much broader list of diversity dimensions as you go through your exercise of intentionally choosing who your brand will serve. My guest today is Tevya Selly, VP of Experience at Cycle Bar. Tevye and I chatted about a number of strategies her brand uses to make sure they open their doors wide to ensure a broader group of customers feel like they belong with her brand. Let's not delay the good stuff any longer. Here's Tevye. Hey, Tevya. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm well, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm really excited to dive into this because I think um, the work that you're doing is fascinating um, and fun too. So let's get, before we get into it, let's just kind of let the people know who are you and what do you do?
1: Uh, My name is Tevia Selly. I'm the vice president of experience for Cycle Bar Franchising. I started out with uh, Cycle Bar back in 2015 before they opened any franchise studios. So I came in at that point as director of education. I created all the class formats. I created the instructor training platform, the instructor community. But before Cycle Bar, I mean, I owned one of the first indoor cycling studios um, back in 1998. So I've been a, around for uh, in this specific industry for 23 years. Very so cool. I, and I also worked for Flywheel for a while. So you know, I brought to the table a lot, of, lot of experience when I came to Cycle Bar.
0: Nice. So one of the reasons why we're talking today is because you work in an industry indoor cycling where you're really actively working to make it more inclusive. Can you talk a little bit about the barriers that you see that exist in the world of indoor cycling and how you're working to eliminate them from an inclusive standpoint?
1: Yeah, I mean, there. Are, I think just in all fitness brands and areas, but specifically indoor cycling, there's a model type that everyone needs to be this cookie cutter, you know, look like a model, size zero, size two, a certain age, you know, the instructor fit look. And so it's interesting because I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. I had a fitness studio in Los Angeles. Um, and there there tend to be a lot of, you know, fitness oriented people here and, and stuff. But as we open Cycle Bar, Um, my goal was that I wanted to create a brand that had normal people. Mm. It, It was when I started doing auditions, it was, if you had a personality and you could ride to the beat, I don't care if you're 60, I don't care if you're a size 18. I mean, one of our most popular instructors, Who's a lead instructor with Cycle Bar, sells out her classes in Philadelphia. She's a size 18. Wow. And, you know, every time I post about her um, or repost something she's posted, I get people asking that I want to go to that class. (laughs) You know, that makes me want to get on a bike. But that was really the goal is that, you know, breaking barriers of what we should look like. Cause I never fit that mold. Like I'm, I'm, this tiny little short, I mean, by tiny short, you know, <laughs> awkward lesbian with, you know, big glasses and stick up hair and always have been. And, you know, back in, you know, the nineties, that wasn't your typical instructor look, right. Mm-hmm. I had to work twice as hard to, you know, luckily I, I own my own studio so I could teach I didn't have to pass an audition, but, you know, I think that was my goal is that I wanted people, you know, as long as they had rhythm and they had a passion and a personality and were authentic, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted as a cycle bar instructor. Very cool.
0: Now I'm thinking about this woman um, that you mentioned, who's a size 18. That is often not what you see. And it sounds like whenever you're presenting that one, you're being more inclusive as to who the instructors are, but you're probably also breaking a lot of barriers about just what people think of when they think of what fitness looks like, what it has to be, or what you have to look like to be able to enter into certain worlds.
1: Yes. I think that, you know, again, there's these predisposed ideas uh, of what we are supposed to look like as fitness professionals. And, you know, we, everyone in between that size, we have a ton of people. I have a master instructor, Glenn Simpson, and he has a weight loss story and, you know, he's, you know, still in the middle there, but most people might not expect for him to be a master instructor on our team. right? And he's phenomenal. And I think that it's about you know, fitness should be about feeling good versus mm-hmm. looking good. Yeah. And I think for us are, you know, even to the campaigns, you know, get away from the instructor part, but even the campaigns, we don't do bikini bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're about feeling good. Yeah, You know, I just want to create a place where someone could come in, whether they're having the best day or the worst day of their life and just mm-hmm. walk out and feeling better. Yeah. Doesn't matter what someone looks like. It doesn't matter what they look like. Right? That's our goal. So, you know, when you bring in let's get fit or burn turkey burn, it's it's almost body shaming. Mm-hmm. And um just never wanted to be a part of that.
0: I love how your focus on inclusivity means focusing on words. So I think more and more people are starting to see that there are a lot of different ways that we send signals that make people feel like they belong or they don't. So if your goal isn't to be in a bikini body, or if you feel like you're far away from having a bikini body, just seeing that could be a barrier that prevents you from even taking that next step forward. And like you said, it's feeling good. And that, that can happen a lot quicker than bikini body. And who also is the decider of what a bikini body is. I remember a quick story. Um, I was in Rio a couple of years ago and I was on the beach and everybody had a bikini on. Everybody had a bikini on except for me. Right. So I'm sitting there (laughs) and I'm looking and it didn't matter how old they were. There were people who were 15 years old. There were people who were 68 years old and everything in between. There are people who have, you know, what would be considered the quote unquote, traditional bikini body. And there was a grandma who, um, or an, like who is just like, this is my body. I'm wearing a bikini. It doesn't matter. And for a moment, I remember shamefully mm-hmm. feeling like, oh my gosh, like all these people are in bikinis. Everybody shouldn't be wearing bikinis. But <laughs> then I got to a point to where I was like, this is liberating. You know what I mean? Right? Like, we have to. If you want to wear a bikini, wear the bikini. You don't have to get in bikini shape. It's just a matter of wearing it, feeling and, you know, feeling comfortable in whatever your body is that you have right now. And I kind of went through that transformation, you know, between those beauties
1: and the beach. <laughs> I love that. And it really, I think as in this industry, we have to provide a space for people to feel liberated, to come in, no matter what you look like, what size you are, what color you are, what sexual preference you have like you know and that's always been our thing you belong here you can come yeah. in here if you're having the worst day you can come here if you have 30 pounds on you You can come in here if you're want to just close your eyes and you know cry for 45 yeah. minutes yeah. Um, yeah but that's really you know it is like what a, a, a way to move into a space where we it's about just feeling good Forget about looking, you know, I think that as we age, we get to this point where we no longer, you know, we're not as obsessed with how we look. We're fine with it. We're like, here I am. I'm 50. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have wrinkles. I'm not doing all that stuff to myself. So I'm going to have wrinkles. I'm going to have some gray hairs. I might have, you know, some hormonal weight. It is what it is. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm alive. My body works. Yes. And that's like it. Amen to that. So Amen. celebrating all types of people in our four wall experiences has always been the goal. And that, that's just what I strive to do. And I think now we're in, I think two, I think we're at 248 studios open mm-hmm. um, across the world. And so that's just, you know, to, to be able to have that space and, Two hundred and forty-eight locations, and probably another twenty in the next, by the end of Q four. Um, it's it's a good feeling to know that people can come in and not have to worry about that.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Uh, one of the ways in which you all are inclusive is by location. That's not often talked about in terms of. Um, location inclusivity and how some people might be excluded by based upon where they live. Can you talk about um, how opening studios in more rural areas has helped you reach people who traditionally been underserved or ignored within this industry?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's the joy of franchising too, right? Because you have that ability to open it, it. You know, some of our biggest competitor is not a franchise and They go into demographics that can afford $35 a class. We get to go into demographics where a franchisee wants to open. Fargo, North Dakota, you know, things, places like that. And that's really why I actually took the job because I didn't know anything about franchising, but when I started to look into it when they offered me the job, I thought, wow, what an opportunity to be able to create this. Place where I know magic happens, and and people in the community get to feel better walking into, in all these areas that competitors would never mm-hmm. step foot in, and so I think that's you know really the joy of, of franchising is that we do find people who want to open in you know Alabama and in Fargo, North Dakota, and all these little areas that competitors would never. Do themselves
0: right, and I guess that's an important thing to think about for in-person type businesses. If people only always go to the same markets, you're missing a broad section of people yeah, sure. who aren't part of those markets. Right? Yeah,
1: hundred percent. I think that um, again, and I, I think that everyone deserves to be able to feel the way I get to feel when I get on a bike and in, in a room with people. Everybody should be able to experience that. And so it shouldn't matter if they're in a a middle America or, you know, a remote town. If there's someone who wants to build a cycle bar and it looks like it would work there, we will put that territory, that territory is there. And so it's allowed us to reach Places that I never imagined putting a cycle bar or an indoor cycling studio. So it's been pretty remarkable. Very cool. Very cool.
0: Um, Now, you talked a little bit about a competitor in your industry that charges $35 for a class. And some people might think that if there are people who can afford $35 a class and they want to take that on a regular basis, fine. Or they're doing that. And some people feel like that's kind of an elitist. Way of approaching clientele. Um, Do you feel like a brand can be elitist and inclusive at the same time?
1: I think it depends on what your definition of elitist is. Can you be best in class and be inclusive? 100%. Um, Selfishly, I think we are best in class and we are inclusive. But, you know, cost is huge. And so we don't have a set price. We go into markets and we price based on the market. Okay. So we also do monthly unlimited. So you might go into a market where it's 129 a month for mm-hmm. classes, um, unlimited classes. So we price based on that market. So it's affordable, right? So it's a little bit different, Um You know, again, elitist can mean a lot of different things. You know, I don't know that you can be elitist in the sense of only people who can afford to come, get to come. I think that you can never be inclusive if it's you have to have a certain income. Got it. Okay.
0: Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron, or could it be Don, or John, or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, for the first time ever with an ai-powered help desk and an ai chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast plus it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross sell also you can scale support and drive retention and revenue and you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to do more for your customers today. Now you've started, because you're going into these different markets where people have traditionally not had access to um, indoor cycling and ha- having these studios. Was there a degree of work that you had to do to... Bring people on to this idea. Like if you're you go into some markets where indoor cycling is a thing, right? There's not much convincing that you have to do, you've got an audience and you just have to present your value proposition. But what types of things have you needed to do as you're working to be inclusive to let people know that you are welcome here? You belong here.
1: We are I think over the, you know, we've been doing this for uh, six years. Yeah, six years now. So we opened our first studio six years ago, our first franchise studio. And I think that we've just over the years created enough marketing content so that as soon as someone, a franchisee has signed a lease, they get their naming, we name the studio, we get their social media going. And then our, you know, marketing team is just, we've created amazing assets. Okay. So that, you know, you belong here kind of assets so that it shows how inclusive we are. That's one of the ways we do it. We get out into the community. Um, We're big on community building. I mean, at the end of the day, we're a workout, but we we're also an experience. So, you know, our goal at the end of the day is we we go into these communities and then in our four walls we create our own community inside the community. And so we get out into the community and you know that, that's what we talk about. Everyone can come. And I think that at you know definitely our social media when you look at the videos that go out, the clips of instructors or that we've created shows that everyone belongs okay you belong here i mean that's we write as one you belong here those are a lot of our taglines more of you yeah um those kind of things
0: and i imagine what you mentioned about spending time in the community is also helpful and beneficial like when people are able to feel you see you in your presence that probably makes a big difference for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We, um, you know, when studios are are just opening, they haven't even, you know, they're in the middle of the constructions. They're going out and setting up tables at any community event going on. We do, we have an amazing uh, cycle gives program. Uh, we're big on fundraising. We like to, we partner with uh, different organizations and do fundraising. Mm-hmm. Um, every quarter we have an organization we'll work with. But we encourage studios in their own community to do these rides, like it PTA rides, you know, sports. Whether it's a uh, Heart American Heart Association, cancer, all sorts okay. of anything that is hits home. Um, okay. The ability to raise money and, and give back in your community uh, is also really great. Very cool. But we go. Needless to say, because we are a franchise and we go to these remote areas, we've been first to market in probably 75 locations. Right. And I will say that, you know, Peloton helped, hmm. I, you know, thanks Peloton. They really <laughs> did help because, you know, people that we, we get so many writers coming in and auditioning when a studio opens in their area, because they've not never had that they've done indoor cycling at home on a Peloton and they love it and they want to do it themselves and so you know they'll audition so we've trained so many people who have only been had an in-home experience right so those you know Peloton's been a big asset for especially going in these markets where there's never been indoor cycling
0: very cool you said a couple of things that I want to dig into. Um, one of the things that you mentioned is that you're not just in um, indoor cycling, you're experience. Can you talk about the role that customer experience and just thinking about an experience played in your quest to reach a more diverse space of customers?
1: I mean, I think that when you come in to a, a cycle bar, our goal is that everybody is welcome we say hello, we introduce ourselves, we get your name, we walk you around, you know, if it's your first class, we set you up, we write your name on your locker, you know, welcome, Sonia, bike number 22, we'll set you up on a bike, we'll introduce you to people in, you know, who are taking the class too. Oftentimes, I always tell franchisees and the GMs and, the you know, and the, we call them CBX, who work at the front desk. Whenever someone walks in, we treat them as if they're coming into our home. Mm. You know, and, and exactly what you do if somebody who've never been to your house and they're coming over to your house. You know, they come with a friend the first time to your house. You introduce yourself. You give them a tour. You introduce them to anybody else at your house. You show them where the bathroom is. Everybody needs to know where the bathroom is. You uh, show them where the food is and the drinks are and all that good stuff. You check on them throughout their stay, right? And then as they leave, you walk them out and you say, "Have you know? Hope you had a great time and hope to see you again." Same thing. It's the way I ran my business for years. Everybody felt like it's was their home away from home. Mm-hmm. And when you do that you create this community and you put people together that would never, most likely never maybe have connected outside of your four wall experience. But as they get on a bike and, you know, we all have things going on in our lives. And if you know you go to Cycle Bar on Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Saturday, and you take a certain instructor, chances are you're going to be riding with a lot of the same people. Mm And that if we're going through something in our personal lives, and oftentimes we work it out on the bike, you know, sometimes we cry, sometimes we turn it up, sometimes we, you know, work harder to get rid of it. You feel connected to the person next to you. Mm -hmm. And so there's this established, you know, invisible bond and community. You're sitting in that, community room, you talk to people that you might not have ever talked to before. And so I think that those things are really important and to foster those kind of relationships and encourage them is huge. And so we like to sometimes do events outside of the studio Mm -hmm. because that will connect people a little bit deeper outside of the cycle ball four walls as well. And it's, Awesome to see relationships that might not have ever been born be born because of their experience at our studio. Yeah, very cool.
0: Very cool. You mentioned that your social justice and getting involved in fundraising and different types of things has been a a pretty important part of what you do. Why is social responsibility so important to your brand?
1: I think that we have this great product, we have this beautiful studio. And when we're not doing classes, if we could be doing something that benefits community and doing rides, why not use it, right? And why not uh, use it to fundraise to bring awareness to certain things that people are raising money for? And everybody's different, you know. You might have something. I I have MS, and I have for uh, eighteen years now. I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But so when I had my studio, I. I've raised over a million dollars for MS, you know, to doing rides and stuff in in my studio. You know, I've watched studios. uh, We had a a member who was out jogging and was hit by a a drunk driver. Um, And I think the studio just kept doing rides, community charity rides for this person during her recovery, because she could obviously couldn't work. You know, there was no insurance. The person didn't have insurance. It was a nightmare, but those things. So to be able to give back to things that matter yeah. to you and the people who come to your studio. And that's the joy of it. Because even though we're a franchise, each owner has the ability to focus in on what's important to them and what's yeah. important to their writers. Right. So it could be different, Things We don't necessarily, you know, we have wildfires here in California, but there are, you know, Texas has flooding. And so those Texas studios often, you know, do these fundraisers when there is a major flood right. or shooting, school shooting, like that kind of thing. They'll do some sort of fundraising. Uh, we had a, somebody do that. And so I think that's the joy of these because they become mom and pop, so right. to speak, even though they're right. bigger of a brand so you can personalize what's important in your community and bring it that. to the surface.
0: And how have have you incorporated that social responsibility into your strategy to make it so that each of your franchisees feels empowered to be, and keeps it top of mind so it's something that they do. Is it an expectation or is it something that you encourage? How does that work with your um,
1: strategy? It's definitely something we encourage. And we support that, you know, we have our, if somebody's doing an event, you know, we'll, we will create assets. It doesn't mean that everybody has to create, you know, do the same event. Right. Um, Again, you know, I'm a gay female, you know, do we, have we had franchisees who don't want to do gay pride month? We have, but uh, you know, everybody has their choice. Right. Um, we encourage it because we are inclusive, and we want that. I think that we're in a really interesting time. The last you know, five years or so, specifically the last two years, yeah. lots happened, and that I think that as humans, we're more aware. Mm-hmm. And so um, obviously opening everyone's eyes up a little wider to be more, Inclusive, more diverse, so that people recognize that you know maybe we are more diverse than we were two years ago, which is awesome. And I think that I think that COVID did a lot for us. And you know, a lot of people, a lot of negative stuff happened in COVID. um, Obviously, financially, but I do think that we all became a little bit more human. Yeah. Right. And so I think that walls maybe broken down a little bit more, or at least that's my experience right. so far, They're coming out of it. So I see so much change. And I, I do think that we've all had eye open, you know, a, a huge eye opening. It doesn't matter what town you live in, or you know, what small city or rural area you live in, you've had an eye opening to some degree in the last two years. I think socially, we've always, and again, you know, I can go back and say that from day one, it's been about wanting everyone to belong and come to this studio, specifically regardless of what you look like, how old you are, anything like that. And that's just always been a given. And we've had areas, you know, demographics that have more diversity And, you know, quite honestly, Fargo, North Dakota, probably not much diversity going on there. You know, Mm -hmm. I I remember uh, going into one of the first areas that I went into and I had a, a, you know, I'm I'm like the trifecta. I'm like a gay vegan Jew, (laughs) right? So like I walk into like, you know, this city in Indianapolis and outside of Indianapolis. And, you know, I have my star David on, you know, pretty hard to put your finger on it and go oh, that's a lesbian and you know and then trying to ask everyone for vegan food like I was like outlawed but somebody <laughs> actually said to me you might want to put cover up the Star of David because like town. there's two churches and you belong to one you belong to the other and there's definitely no synagogue and I thought well hey, I am not going to cover it up and I'd have to like go put on a wig and buy a dress, which I've worn in, I don't know how many years to try and cover that up. So I'm just going to be me. But, you know, I think that, you know, I've always wanted to make it all of that not matter because personal experience. And so I've worked really, really hard. Is there room to grow? There's always room to grow. Is there room to be better at it? hundred percent. I mean, that's You know, the goal is to how do we continually open our doors wider? Right. When we've we've always tried to have them wide open, but there's always room to open them wider. Sure. That's for sure. This has been
0: super cool. I've learned so much about what you all are doing, it sparks lots of ideas. And any parting words of wisdom that you have for people who want to build an
1: inclusive brand? I think you have to you know, take what was, acknowledge it, but then create what will be so that someone else's definition or the past definition of inclusive isn't the definition of your present and your future. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, you know, it's hard in the fitness industry to go into areas and break those molds. I mean, but we have a responsibility i think that we it's a responsibility i think that you can change people's idea of what fit is
0: mm-hmm.
1: what being healthy is and always just focus i mean you know, my god if we just all had a daily intention of being in a place where we all feel good we'd have a much better world right so I think it's just breaking away in the fitness industry anyways. Of let's move to a place of creating space for people to feel good and forget about the looking good. The looking good could be a bonus if you are trying to lose weight. It's not saying you can't come and lose weight um, and you can't get more fit, but more importantly, you're going to feel good. That's our goal. Very and cool. that's what I, I think should be the goal of everybody in fitness. Very cool.
0: Tevi, this has been super
1: fun. Thank you again for stopping oh, by. you're so welcome. Thank you so much for help, having me. I appreciate it.
0: Tevia had lots of great stories and insights. And there were a few things that stood out to me in particular that I wanna make sure that I highlight for you. The first is in making sure that you think about location and price as forms of difference as you think about who your brand will serve. These dimensions of diversity are often overlooked when we're thinking about the different types of customers who have the problem that our brand solves. The first is in making sure you think about location and price as forms of difference as you think about who your brand will serve. Now, these are dimensions of diversity that are often overlooked. For instance, does your brand have options available to serve the people who have the problem your business solves at various price points? And the second thing is learning to lean into the power of community. Community is often also overlooked, but it's a critical contributing factor for making people feel like they belong. What's the role of community in developing your inclusive brand strategy? Shoot me a note and let me know. That's it for this episode. If you'd like more information on how to get started building your inclusive brand that wins the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, Grab my inclusive marketing starter kit, head on over to inclusivemarketing.co starterkit slash starter kit to get it. And if you like this episode, I would so appreciate it. If you would share it with a friend and even rate and review it in your podcast app of choice, it'll help get the word out so others can get going delivering inclusive experiences. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to make sure that more people feel like they do. Somebody's waiting on you. Thanks for listening.